All right, Rabotai, welcome. It's Friday morning, Erev Shabbat Kodesh. And uh, we get to spend some time, although the time is short, we come to spend some time to study some elements in Parashat Shavuot, this Parashat being Parashat Tetzaveh. Again, as I'll always preface, these parashot are are not easy parashot. Even in our parashah class that we give every night at 10 o'clock, perush rashi, we struggle this week. Even simple pshat, what's going on? You know, we didn't didn't have an easy time giving it over. All the more so to go into the mefarshim on these, uh, you know, bigdeh kehuna are very, very complicated. But... To exempt ourselves, to do nothing is not an option either. So we have to, we'll go slow, we'll take it easy, we'll go, you know, small, small, small bites. And God, God, God willing, we'll get somewhere. So today I want to talk about the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, which is the, it's the Hoshin. Just let's review it. So you have a, a breastplate that he wears, there were some ropes that came above it, there's some stones that are on top to put it in place. It's placed in a way where it doesn't move, you know, from side to side. And in the Hoshin you have uh, 12 areas or 12 settings, we'll call them, where you're able to put stones, Avnem Miluim. The simple explanation of Avnem Miluim is stones that go into a setting. They are male, they fill in the setting. And then the Torah comes and lists to us the 12 stones, and each one was a different color, and each one had its own uh, uh, spiritual benefits, exactly. Amaris has a, uh, a kuracha with the 12 stones, uh, and also the Rabbeinu Bahya tells us what the sigulot of the stones are, for example. You have, I think we said, the ruby stone, and there was an amethyst, and there was an onyx, you know, all the different uh, stones. Ayin Sham, that's not our discussion. And it also says that the Shemot of the Shabbatim were etched on the stones themselves. In the names of the Shabbatim, you don't have all 22 letters of the alphabet, so they also had Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. Their names were also etched, as well as Shiftei Yah. So that's... So you get all the letters of the alphabet. You can ask me, what do you need the letters of the alphabet? It's not the Wheel of Fortune. We're going to get to why we have the names etched on the Avner Meluim, on the stones. And then, and this is the hardest part of this whole subject, the Torah comes along and says, Interesting, they call it the Hoshin Mishpat. That she says, what does judgment have to do with the Hoshin? Because it atones. God forbid if there was a perversion of justice, so the judges need kapara, so the Hoshin Mishpat. All the big day kiwana atone for certain sins. The Hoshin Mishpat atones for perversion of justice, and that's its tikkun. Now we get to Perechavchet Pasuk Lamed. If you have Hamashim in front of you, you'll be able to read these Pesukim. And you will place in the Hoshin Mishpat, in this breastplate, etaurim ve'etatumim. 
And the million dollar question is, what is Urim and Tumim? Now I know some of you have ideas of it because we did learn this when we were young, but it is now about time to go through some of the major opinions of the Rishonim to see what the Urim Vitumim are. So the best place actually to go to, if you want to see opinions of Rishonim, Harambam actually has a whole section in the laws of Beta Behira, and he goes through detail each one of the pieces and the dimensions and its purpose. So I chose to use Harambam as the uh, first mefaresh, so he'll give us his opinion of what Urim Vitumim are. So I opened up Harambam, and he definitely talks about the Hoshen, and he also talks very, very clearly about the 12 stones. But to my shock, at least I did not find any mention in Harambam of Urim Vitumim. It is not mentioned, at least Lefi, my cursory, uh, you know, review of it. Now, I could be making a mistake. I, mean, I didn't learn the whole 14 volumes of Harambam. It could be buried somewhere in a place where, you know, you don't expect it. But in the place where he talks about the Hoshin and he talks about the stones, he does not say anything. I know you're having a hard time believing what I'm telling you. No mention of the Urim Vitumim. Now, with all the respect, Harambam, although he has, you know, uh, the highest uh, credentials of Rishon, but he does not have the right to omit a pasuk of the Torah. You know, Harambam can argue on a Rishon like him, but he cannot argue on a pasuk of the Torah and just say, you know, I don't believe in Urim Vitumim, and therefore, you know, I'm not going to mention it. Oh, 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 very good. That's Baruch. If you remember last week's class, we also started with the Rambam and we were just as shocked when he made no mention in the seven primary vessels of the Mishkan. He did not mention the Aron as a primary vessel. <laughs> and we said, what are you talking about? That's the most important vessel. It's the first vessel. And then we explained it, you know, accordingly. So, after doing some search, I found this. And that's the sefer, again, that always gives us Hedushim. It's called the Ketav Kabbalah. I think I recommended it uh, to our members. It's a good, uh, good book. Somebody recently told me that they even have it, maybe now in, in English, I'm not sure. But he says, and I'm quoting, uh, on the Urim Vitumim, Veharbe Tamati. He says, I have... Uh, Great uh, surprise, wonderment. So I'm in good company. The Ketav Kabbalah also did not find anything. Ki beperektet in chapter nine, mechlim mikdash, shemevair sham kol pedatem maaseh hoshin ve'efod. Where he goes into great detail explaining. Maaseh Hoshin ve'efod lo hiskir klal meurim v'tumim makes no mention of the urim v'tumim. How do you like that? And then he asks, 
ואיך ישמט מקרא מפורש. How is the Rambam able to leave out an explicit pasuk? Now, even the Aron, the Rambam didn't leave it out. Rambam just didn't consider it one of the seven primary vessels. But of course, he of course talks about the Aron. But here, it doesn't exist. Now he says a big hadush. Lachen nireli. You want to get that? Lachen nireli deledato en urim vetumim shemot kedoshim kedata mefarshim. Okay, here we go. Let's go back to Rashi first to see how Rashi learns Urim Vitumim. And Rashi says, Huktav Shema Meforash. It's the, you know, the special name, the explicit name of Hashem, Shayan Notno Betuch Keflea Hoshen. If you remember how the Hoshen was, it had folds. And therefore they would open it up. That she says, and they would put inside of, in between the folds and the, and the wrinkles there, a special name of Hashem called Shema Meforash. Why was that Shema Meforash called Unim Vetumim? She'al yadohu me'ir debarav u'metamem et debarav. The Shema Meforash would be like the uh, electricity that would give the Unim Vetumim functionality. And what was the functionality? The letters would start to lighten up. Hence the word urim, and tumim, they would be conclusive. They would give a conclusive answer. So therefore, urim tumim, according to Rashi, are the result of what is placed in the folds of the Hoshin. Which means you don't put in the Hoshin urim tumim. You put in the Hoshin the Shema Meforash. Now, it might be nicknamed the Unim V'tumim because that's what it does. It's going to cause the, the lights, to, the letters to flash. Says the Ketav Kabbalah. Yeah, possible. Yeah, possible. Yat Uraya V'yat Tumaya. Possible. Not too sure, actually. <coughs> but Ashif for sure says that. So the Ketav Kabbalah says, but Harambam doesn't hold that. Wait. So if Arambam doesn't hold that they put these Urim V'tumim, the Shema Meforash, so then what's the Urim V'tumim? Rak shenem asar ha'avanim shayu ketuvim b'shemot shenem asar shivtei Yisrael. Oh, Arambam says, yeah, right, I'm going to explain to you, that's what I'm here for. What I'm going to tell you now that Arambam says, the Urim V'tumim is another terminology to represent the 12 stones. It's a synonym for the 12 stones. You could call the 12 stones Abne Miluim, Abne Ahoshin. You could also define them as Urim V'tumim. It's something that we mentioned already. Now, why would you call the stones Urim V'tumim? So he says, Ki hem atzmam me'idim. They light, light up. Which means, Rabbah doesn't argue that there was a concept that the stones lit up. 
And he says, and that's why the stones are called Urim Vitumim. But there was no Shema Miforash and none of that stuff. And Hanabam might not even explain to you how they lit up. But that's not, that's not his business. So therefore he says, Besides, they were called Urim Vitumim because that explains their function, that they would answer questions. However, they would answer them. You see, by the way, even according to Rashi, Urim Vitumim is not Shema Meforash. Rashi has to throw in, is it Shema Meforash in there which activates Urim Vitumim? Harambam says, no, Urim Vitumim are the function of the stones. Therefore, no mention of Shem uh, Forash. And then he goes a little step further, the Kitab Kabbalah. Kigam mitzad atzmutam yitachin alehem shemzeh. That intrinsically they could be called only vitum, not only because of their function and purpose, but stones like that, it's befitting to call them only vitum. Why? Ki abanim tobot ka'ele. These were precious stones. One thing about these stones is they were bright stones and they were shiny stones. And therefore, forget about the miraculous stuff of the Urim that they lit, you know, and gave answers to questions. You call a glittering, dazzling stone Urim. And then he says, Ba'aleur means they were bright. Yeah, you look at a nice diamond, you say, wow, it's a shiny stone over there. That's right. In Hebrew, what would you say? It's me'irim. Or in biblical language, what would you say? Urim. Also, they were natural. They were put into the hoshen as they were taken from the you know, the quarry, wherever they gotten. Lo shalat alehem yada hospim vaposlim. As you know, they were not allowed to chisel the stone. It had to be a pure, perfect stone. Kemoshikatav Ramban, the Ramban says that the reason why the stones of the Hoshin are called Avnem Miluim is not like I explained it to you earlier, because they fill the setting. The Ramban understands Avnem Miluim, the stone is Maleh, meaning it is a perfect stone that does not lend itself to chiseling or to, you know, to cutting or to you know, any, uh, any deficiency. He's, wait, just give me one second, honey. Shabnea Hoshin Nikru Avnem Miluim, the Targum explained it, Abneshili Muta. What does Abnesh Shlimuta mean? Complete stones. Shayu Shilimim. Velon Nechsevu B'Machsav Gadol. It's not like they were chiseled from a big rock. That wasn't able to do that. You had to find these stones naturally, raw as are, as opposed to going to a quarry and banging out a small piece of onyx and then putting it in. Velon Nishtanu Metemunatam HaTiv'i. They were not changed from their original image. Now you're going to ask me a question. Oh, what are you talking about they were in chiseled? How did they get those names on the stones? How do you write the uven on a stone unless you, you chisel it out? He says, <laughs> Because 
<coughs> he reminds us of the Gemara Sota. What does the Gemara Sota say? Abanim alalu en kotvim alem bidio ve'en misartin alem beizmal. You can't etch and you can't cut them. Elamavi shamir, not the former president of Israel. The shamir is the is the special worm. Umar elahem, and they would take the shamir. Unbelievable. This is the Jewish uh, Gemara source for laser. They would take the shamir and they would show it. There was like a light, a beam coming out of his eye. And all of a sudden, it would make a pure, natural cut without taking away from the stone. It's a laser, laser, laser cut. <laughs> we create the cracks themselves without losing any of the stone. So he according to the Rambam, the way he's explaining it means shalem. V'yakov ish tam, tam l'ashon, tam shlemut That what? The stones were complete. Rotsin Omar, shlemim belti chesaron. Now, that is a, a, a tremendous hadush into a way to explain the Rambam. That means the Rambam does not have to mention urim v'tumim because he mentioned it. He mentioned the stones. So I don't got to tell you uh, there's 12 stones and give you every Hidush about the stone, and then tell you, and don't forget the Urim V'tumim. That is the Urim V'tumim. Now, the Rambam not a Mifaresh on the Tanakh, he's not going to explain in his Halakhot, and you should know also they call the Urim V'tumim. That's it. They're synonyms. So I, I gave you the, I gave you the, the, the main item. I, Urim V'tumim? Uh, I don't got to tell you every, every similar uh, terminology for the stones. V'nidemash Piresh Rashi Right, she says they actually uh, place them in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the in the in the settings. Fine, that's he's going into the she now for a minute. Fine. Then he comes along and says like this. We have a problem. We have a problem. And maybe we'll be able to answer this problem according to Shittat Tarambam. If you look at the Ibn Ezra for a minute. So, so far, how many opinions do we have on Urim Vetumim? Two. Shittat Rashi, Shema Meforash. Shittat Tarambam, at least according to the Kitab Kabbalah, stones. I didn't see it inside. I do have the book at home. Uh, one of my uh, relatives, uncle, uh, took me to an old bookstore right here in Brooklyn. Guy's got old books. He thought I would uh, appreciate it. I really did. Books from thousands of years ago. And he has thousands of books. So when I went in, uh, one book that caught my attention was the book of Rabbeinu Avraham Benoshil Harambam. He has a pirush on the Torah. And I was told, and I'm, I have to look at it at home, I have the book at home, and I'll get back to you. But I was told that Abinu Abraham ben Arambam writes, Urim v'tumim haynu ha'avanim. So that means the Kitab Kabbalah did not see 
Rabbeinu Abraham Beno Shel Rambam, but uh, uh, intuitively figured out that that is the Shitat Rambam, that is the stone. So that's a that's a strong proof that this rabbi uh, is uh, at least in Rambam's explanation is saying it right now. Look at the Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra way is fascinating. Let's see if we could find it. Let's see over here. Ibn Ezra, where are you? Kadosh is over here. You know what? I brought it. I brought a copy of it over here. You got Ibn Ezra there? Fantastic. Yeah, let's see. That's the Me'il. Okay, I brought, I brought a copy of it just in case I wouldn't be able to find it in this homash over here. Let's see. I don't think it's on our Yeah, I'll find it. I got it right here. So the Ibn Ezra writes like this. Okay, Le'el Pasuk Vav. Okay, Pasuk Vav. If you go to Pasuk Vav, that's Ve'asu Eta Efod, and you will make the apron. So Ezra says on that Pasuk, here we go, Efod. Big piece here. So he writes. Vehine lo yadanu mahem. What do these urim mean? Then he comes along and says. It sounds like they're two different things. Urim Urim, Tumim Tumim. According to Harambam, it's the same thing. The Urim and the Tumim are just definitions of what the stones are. They are stones that are bright and they are stones that are complete. But he says Urim sounds like it's one thing, Tumim is something else. Sounds like there's a lot of them. Urim sounds like there's many of them. Tumim sounds like there's many of them. Virabenu Shilomo, that's Rashi. Amar, Kiaunim Vitumim, Hayu Kitvesh Shema Meforash. He learned that Aunim Vitumim is referring to the name of Hashem. Vi'ilu Ra'at Shuvat Rabhai, Lo Amar Kacha. So if we would have seen what Rabhai wrote, he wouldn't have said it. Therefore, we'll leave that. Vesod Amoku Davara Efod Bahoshin. He says, listen, deep stuff going on over here. I can't really tell you everything that I know about it, but I'm going to give you a little of the sword. 
אולי יבינו מי שהוא יודע דעת עליון. וואו. Unless you have דעת עליון, you really probably not going to understand the whole story over here. והפתח שיוכל לבוא אל הסוד, and he starts. Now go down a bit, and then he says, כי שם היו האורים ותומים שמורים עד עת הצורך. He learns that אורים ותומים were a separate apparatus of sort, או יתנו מחוץ לחושן. והנה אבני שם שוות ומעין אחת. And what were they? והתומים שהם תמים והאורים לא התומים זהב וכסף היו. They were made out of gold and silver. והמספר ידוע בראיית גמורות מהעליון והשפל והמשכיל יבין. So he's learning, and I'll call it the essence from here, שפעולות האורים ותומים היו חוכמה מחוכמת הכוכבים. It was like some type of astrology apparatus. And he says, ואילו הועלתי לגלות זה הסוד, if I had to reveal to you what exactly we're talking about, לא יכולתי לכותבו. I really not allowed to write it. כפי המכתב שחיברתי בראש הספר כולו, כי לא יבינינו מי שלא למד ספר המידות וסוד מלאכת שמיים. Unless you learn to these books in astrology, מלאכת שמיים, it sounds like, the, the, as I knew what he was talking about. But he said, I can't tell you. But he's learning. It was an apparatus separate from the ocean that when the Kohen needed some guidance, he went to this thing that was made out of gold and silver, Urim V'tumim, different Kesev V'zahav, and he would, I guess, talk to it and they would give him revelation from the, from the stars. No, he says it was next to the ocean. He says over here again. He says, והיה החושן כפו כי שם היו אורים והעותומים שמורים על עת הצורך או יתנו מחוץ לחושן. I'm just telling you what the Ibn Ezra holds. He holds it was a separate item. It's not שמה מפורש. It's not the stones. It's another item. Alright? Now, he implies that he knows it. Although the Hatam Sofer on this Ibn Ezra, he says, listen, We have Pesukim in Nehemiah that Nehemiah didn't know what the Urim V'tumim exactly were. So how does Ibn Ezra know what Nehemiah didn't know? That's his, uh, that's his question. But he says, in deference to the Ibn Ezra, there is such a thing what he's talking about. There is a certain apparatus that you can connect to the stars and get answers. He says, You can't argue in the fact that There is something to say about not stargazing, but using the stars for There is books. But I'm not sure if that's the one even to me. Okay, and I'm not sure if he knew it. Okay, that's the Adam Sofer on the Ibn Ezra. What does the Ramban have to say about the Ibn Ezra's interpretation? I'm so sorry about it. I'm really sorry. But if you look in the passage, it says clearly in the Pesukim that it's part of it. That's just part of it. So it's part of it. Okay. So it's part of it. So how can he say this? It's part of it. It's part of it. No, it's part of it. I'll give it. Okay, it's part of it. 
But it's still not the Shema Mifurash and not the stones. It's another chain of gold and silver that's in there that you would, you were, he would consult with it when he needed to have Chokhmah. Uh, now, uh, let's see what the Ramban says. Could be the Ramban will agree with the Ibn Ezra. Oh, Savar Rabbi Abraham let Hakem be inyan haurim betumim. The Ibn Ezra said something, you know, clever. Let Hakem regarding the urim betumim. You had enough? Now the Ramban is commenting on the Ibn Ezra. It's Pasuk Lamed. If you had enough, I'm going to go to the seminary now. I know it's technical stuff. Listen, Jacob, I know you came for stories. We didn't say stories. Not last night and not today. This is... Again, I don't choose the, the content. This is it. Sabah Rabbi Abraham Hakim. Rabbi Abraham, I want to say something clever. And he said... It's made out of gold and silver, made out of... Uh, and he really elaborated. He thought that this has to do with something in astronomy. Now the Ramban then gives his opinion what he thinks about the Ibn It's not so clear if the Ramban agrees or disagrees, you tell me what you think. He then says, Velo Amar Klum. <laughs> the Ramban ends up saying about the Ibn Ezra, with all due respect, he said nothing. He said nothing. <laughs> now, don't, don't forget, the Ramban has the greatest respect for the Ibn Ezra. Proof is, he's dealing with him. You don't deal with somebody unless you Respect him. If you don't respect him, so who cares what the Ibn Ezra says? You know, you come quote some, uh, you know, rogue mefaresh, as for shalom. So the man's not going to go answer up every guy that has something to say. But obviously he studied Ibn Ezra, and that was the whole claim against Sagamavad Ya'ala Vashalom. Oh, he's against the Benish Hai. Nobody studied Benish Hai more than Sagamavad And the fact that he's studying in Allah, he wants to understand every word of it. Adrabah, you see that he devoted his life to the study of the Benishai. Not, not in order to uproot it, but to understand it. Aval, Ramban says, who's right? Three opinions. Who does the Ramban side with? Is it Shema Meforash? Is it the stones? Well, we know it's not Ibn Ezra, so Ibn Ezra's out. Aval, him, Kedavrera, Benu Shalomo. Rashi was, we say Rashi. The Ramban was a Mekubal. So therefore, he go that way. He says, It's first proof. That's why you needed to have a fold. Because you needed to stick something in the fold. According to Harambam, what does it need to be have a fold for? If there's nothing in between, then he says, That is unbelievable. In every item that we learned till now, we're going to learn in Vayakel Pekudeh, this was the commandment. And then in Vayakel Pekudeh, we're going to learn, they made it. They made the Shulchan, and they made the Menorah, and they made the Aron, and they set up the Hoshin. Nowhere 
does it ever say in the whole Bible, and they made the Urim Vitumim? Why not? Oh, according to the Rambam, it's very good. Rambam will answer, it does say they made the Urim Vitumim. They got the stones. Very good. According to the Ibn Ezra, it's also very good. They made, no, not very good. According to Ibn Ezra, they made this apparatus. No mention of making the apparatus. But according to Rashi says, how are you going to explain that it doesn't say they made it? So he says, In the actual making, the fashioning of it. By the way, nowhere does it say either, That's a good question. Every item it says, Vasita, Vasita, Vasu. Why doesn't it say, Tasita Urim Vitumim? No mention of that. So you don't have it not in the Tsivui, in the commandment, and not in the actual making of it. No, 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 no. The stones, he doesn't hold this as stones. It's the stones it says. They went, they got the stones, they put them in the. Uh, no, they, no the, yeah, there you have two things. You have a commandment about the stones. And you have that they made it. They, they took the stones and put them in the Hoshin. It says that they did, but it says nowhere make Urim. All it says, and take the Urim Vitumim. Who take them? Who made them? Take what? Take something, take something that was not, not made. So he says, Why not? If there was something to it, like the Ibn Ezra said, that they were making some type of apparatus, by the way, that should have been the most uh, elaborate one. And even if you're going to tell me, too deep to talk about, it should have said at least a short version. According to the Ibn Ezra, why doesn't it say that they made it? Ela ve'od, he says another question. Unbelievable Ramban, the way he's uh, making this analysis here. You ever hear of a letter in the Hebrew language called He Hayidi'ah? The hair of distinction. That means sometimes uh, before a word, it'll put a hair. For example, I'll give you another example. Let's say I want to talk about a table. So I could say, al-shulhan. He ate on shulhan. I could say, al-hashulhan. Now, hashulhan refers to oh, the, the one that's known. The one that's known. So only on things that are known already, that are established, do we use the word here? But if it's the first time you're talking about it, it cannot be a hashulhan until you make a shulhan. If you make the shulhan, it can turn into hashulhan. But now, the first time you're mentioning it, there's no, there's no distinction to it yet. That's why, by the way, if you look at all the kelim of the mishkan, it does not use the hayyadi'ah. Ve'asita shulhan. You can't say hashulhan. We don't know about it yet. What shulhan? The shulhan? What are you comparing it to? It's nothing. So therefore, now once you make the shulhan, oh, then it's going to turn into a shulhan, because it's there already. Vasita Aron, 
Vasita menorah. No, ha'aron, ha'menorah. Because that's only mentioned on something that already we know, not on the first item. Says the Rav. If you look at the Pesukim here, Venatatai, Choshenam, Mishwat, et ha'urim ve'et ha'tumim. Whoa. What's this? Ha'yidi'alve, ha'urim ve'atumim. It sounds like they were around already. That we know about these things. What do you mean we know about them? We're just making it now. If you're learning according to Ibn Ezra, you just made them now, this apparatus. How could you call it ha'urim ve'atumim? It should be tumim ve'urim. Even according to Harambam, you're making the stones now, you're bringing them out now to make them into the Hoshin. But it says according to Ibn Rabban, All the Kirim that we mentioned already does not have the Yidi'ah. Menorah, vechen kulam. Next paragraph. Vine, baurim vetumim, amar venatel, hoshem, mishpat, et haurim vetatumim. Lo siva oto baasiyatam, vizkiram beshema yedi'ah. We never made them yet, and already they're calling the haurim vetumim, as if we know them, the ones of distinction. Vido vizkiram katu vrak bemoshe lebado, sheamar besavaa venatel, hoshem, mishpat. This was not made by a uman. Nobody had anything to do with these urim v'tumim. Moshe got it directly from the givurah. And he had to write it down in sanctity, or are you Maaseh Shamaim, or maybe the letter came down from Shamaim, the Petek, which means these are, the Heovah is referring to the special ones. Ha'urim v'atumim means something that's very hashuv is referred to as Ha'yidi'ah. That's why this one over here is mentioned with Ha'yidi'ah, because it's telling you how important and how special they were, so therefore, <coughs> they're mentioned as such. So far, so good? So now we have how many shitot? Three shitot. Four shitot. We have Rashi and Rabban, Shema Meforash. We have Harambam and his son, Rabbeinu Abraham. Urim Vitumi is actually the stones themselves. And then we have Ibn Ezra, which is these, the apparatus that connects to the stars. Imantim? Beautiful. Now we get into the, uh, what it does. So if you look at Targum Yonatan bin Uziel over here, he's going to give us the functionality of this Urim Vitumim. What's the purpose of it? Okay, now you got to go ahead and wearing this item. However you want to learn it, but it definitely answers questions. You throw a question at it and somehow it's, Right, this is before Google. That was the, the precursor to Google. Have you, you know, the Queen Gadol had this item on his uh, thing. Any question you throw at it, boom, gives you the answer. So, what does the Targum say? 
He clearly learns it's the Urim Vetumim, it's the Shema Forash. Vetiten Behoshan Dinayat Urayadem Naharin Mileon, Mufasitim in the Betisevia Tumaya, the Vashinu Vadon, the Hanaraba, the Taba Ulfan Minkodam Hashem. They would ask the Urim Vetumim questions, and as a result of the questions, they would give an answer. The Targum Unclus is a little more specific. It would paskin dinim. What does that mean? If there was a halachic question, it sounds like, that needed uh, a din. Mutar, asur, whatever the dinim are. So it sounds like you would go to the Hoshin. And it's the Hoshin. And you would get judgments. Is that possible? I don't want to get into this whole thing, but there's a rule that exists. You should know this rule already that says, Lo Bashamayimi. Lo Bashamayim says that once the Torah is given, you can't now get any more counsel from Shamayim regarding the laws. It was given once, and that's it. So you can't come along and say, listen, a voice came out of heaven and told me, sorry, they're going to reject that flatly. The rulings have to be made now by the Hakamim. That's it. And if they forgot it, forgot it. What are you going to do? Forgot it, forgot it. Not like in football they have deal where the final say is not with the referees. And in football today they have shaman. They go back up to the uh, to the guys in New York or the you know the, the Betina Gadol, and they could come along and give a psak from shaman from the box against the referees, which really basically says the referees are doing nothing. Then. The referees are only there when they get it right. I mean they don't get it right. So, they, so what's the job then? Basically, we don't need you. Let the guys call it from the box the whole time. Again, I don't have an opinion on these things over because I'm not really into the football over there. But uh, I personally am against it. I think part of the game is the human error. Yeah, that's part of the game. Yeah, it's the excitement there. Referee blew it, missed the call. Yeah, that's part of the... You take away that whole element. If you, if you can't get gypped in a game anymore... <laughs> So therefore, where's the excitement? There's the betting and all that stuff. You know, then there's no analysis. If you can always get it right, then the games lose their... Uh, nothing to talk about the next day. You saw it, they blew the call, they lost the... But they don't... And that's my opinion. I, I could be wrong. I didn't put too much thought about it. <laughs> but clearly, in, in, on earth, we don't, do, we don't say, listen, the rabbis can't get it right. Let's go upstairs to the box, Shamayim. We have the great rabbis able to bring down the... Uh, the voice, and we'll hear what they have to say. It doesn't work. And by the way, for good reason. By the way, is the greatest insurance policy against imposters to the Torah. Because that protects us from a guy that will come along and say, 
I had a revelation last night. God came to me and God told me. Sorry. You know, there's, there, there's no revelation after Har Sinai. So well, even though you bring us proof and pictures and audio, we, we don't doubt that you heard something or you took something, you're on something. But for sure, we know one thing is we cannot accept whatever you heard because it stops any imposter from coming in to introduce new items. Devante was an unbelievable genius of the Torah. Now, of course, there's, there's, there's a casualty to that in that, but if you forget something, you forget it. You know, there's no options because once you make an exception to the rule, all right, we went back and got it, then already you broke the rule. Then already people go, yeah, we went up and got this too. You forgot it, you forgot it. Now, it, there were times in history where, for example, the death of Moshe, certain halachot were forgotten. And it says, Otniel ben Kenaz, using his, you know, commutic brain, was able to bring them back, using the different halachic or the principles of Rabbi Ishmael, and he was able to return them. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Uh, before you get to the hour, Navi, which it's true. Not only that, not only do you see Eliyahu Navi give he doesn't give answers, but we say, well, ask Eliyahu Navi. Tiku, what does Tiku say? The Navi will come down and we'll, uh, you know, give a, what do you mean? Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu Navi is a malach. Eliyahu should have no license to give us his opinion on halachot. So the big question is over here, how could the Targum say that they go to the Urim V'tumim for dinim? It's against the rule. So I found over here a Torah Temima. I want to... So I'm going to bring the Torah to me over here. This piece is talking about the man. The man was amazing, besides the fact that it was food. But the Torah says it was wonder bread. Not only because it came down from heaven, but it was wonder bread in the sense that, that, that it's called Zera God. Mazegad. God comes from the Lashon Magid. Because the man itself would, would, would actually give uh, opinions, it would speak. It would give opinions on certain, certain things, as an example. The Gemara says if let's say you had a guy, a couple got divorced. And she got married to a, another guy, which is okay. And now she gives birth seven months later. And you don't know if that child is a full-term baby from the first husband or a preemie, a seven-month baby from the... You don't know who's the father. It's a big, uh, big, big, big question. So you'd figure it out very simple because the man would fall according to the inhabitants of the house. So therefore, you saw where the man, that extra portion of man for that child, where it landed. 
if it landed in the original home, so then you knew already, that's the father. And if it landed in the new home, then you, so the, it's called Zera God. It was Magid the Zera. It told you the Zera, who belongs to? Zera God. It's a Magid, who's who? The, who that, that, you figure things out. So the Torah to me, is going to ask, hold it, hold it. Love a Well, you're using Shamayim now to start. And then there's Nafkaminot, by the way. Once you know whose child it is, then you have laws of Bechor, you have laws of Yerusha. You have, I mean, there's definitely halachic ramifications that come out of this, this information, by the way. So therefore, why don't we come along and say to the man, very nice, but stick, stick to the food business and you can't really get involved in the, the lachic business. You know, you're in a territory that doesn't belong to you. So I'm reading Torah to the Imam. The Gemara can bow out kama dugma otlaze. He says like this. <laughs> you have a, uh, an example the Gemara brings. You have an Evid. And one guy comes along and says, it's my Evid. And the other guy comes along and says, you sold it to me. So a dispute over the Evid. Does it belong to the Uven or belong to Shimon? <coughs> Who decided that uh, debacle? The man. If the man, his portion landed in the Reuven's uh, you know, Reuven didn't sell him. If it landed in Shimon, must have he sold it. So therefore you see again, the man is getting involved in deciding who's the Ganav and who's not the Ganav. And there's a lot of ramifications over here. The Ganav's got to pay and so on and so forth. You're both saying. Beautiful. You're thinking clear, boys. So Torah to Mima says, If Eliyahu and Avi would come, don't say Eliyahu and Avi. He says, Eliyahu, Yavu Eliyahu, and tell us how to make Halitza, we wouldn't listen to him. You know why? Lo b'shamayimi. Aval, comes the Torah to me, ma, en aniru ebaze afreyah kushya. I don't even smell a whiff of a question. Forget about a question. I don't even have a whiff of a question. Dezeaklad de lo b'shamayimi, rak l'inyan psak halacha. You want to tell me, how do you make your boom? How do you make chalitza? Eliyahu, it's out of your territory. You can't answer. Aval inyan birur milta. But just to reveal mitziut, before I give a halachic ruling, I just want to know what's the reality? What's, what's the case? What's the, what's the facts on the ground? Vidgalut mitziut adavar? Bevadai samchin an anavi? For sure you can rely on anavi. Which means, once already I got from Shemaim the mitziut. Now I can apply halakha wherever the, wherever, the, wherever the knife falls. But the, the knife cannot begin by saying, mutar asur. Everybody giving up sack. But, listen, I'm at a loss. I don't know the facts of the case. 
So I can use Shamayim, that knows the facts, to tell me this is what happened. Good. Now I'm going to come along as the Rav and apply Torah, as I'm only allowed to apply it, to the facts that I was told from Shamayim. It's a big, big nafkamina. So he says, Good. And he gives examples to it. He says, There's a difference between a psak and a birur. By the way, to answer Eliyahu and Navi sometimes, it says Tiku, it depends. Eliyahu and Navi is a hybrid of, of such. Eliyahu and Navi sometimes is referred to as Malach. And sometimes Eliyahu and Navi, as we see, is Tamir Hakam. So it all depends on which. Uh, exactly, what suit he's wearing. If he's revealing himself as Eliyahu Navi, sorry, Eliyahu Navi, we can't. Uh, therefore, when it comes to Tiku, Tishbi Ya'ane, Tishbi, Tishbi is Eliyahu Mitoshevig Elad. He was a human, he lived on earth. That means the, 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 the tikus are going to be from the tzad of Eliyahu of his hacham side. So you always have to analyze it. So therefore, that's why it says, Im yavo Eliyahu, as a malach, and tells how to make halitza. Well, I'm sorry, you come as a rabbi, come as a malach. Which, which, you know, which, 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 which uh, if he's wearing a Rosh Hashiva, black hat, like Rosh Hashiva, listen to say, he wears the white halo like the angel. Sorry, we can't... Uh, can't accept you as an go, go change. Go put on the Rosh Hashiva and, we'll, and we'll, we'll answer you. I've seen them answer that. So based on this, we can say, not simply, but what, what the Urim V'tumim did. Urim V'tumim were used, like he says, Fidinim. Not the Pshat to give the Psak of the Deen. But the Urim V'tumim were there to give the Kohen, let's say, the picture. Exactly. Go to the videotape and they'll tell us what happened? Which means, uh, uh, we're, we're just going to tell you that uh, yeah, that number 22 was offsides. That's it. That was the reality. The referee missed it. We know, it was offsides. Okay, good. Now we know the rules. Offsides, five-yard penalty, first down. Which means, we're not, we're not telling you what the ruling is. We're just telling you, this is what happened. Now, now, now apply the, uh, the rules of the NFL to, to, to what a guy's offsides. Understand? And that's could be what happened over here, like or even to him as well. And even if you look at the cases, the case, the classic case with Hana, it's not a halachic issue. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mitziut. What's the case of Hana? I'm only telling you this because I heard a beautiful explanation this week from Bernstein. He said an unbelievable shot that it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So Hana comes and she's praying for a child. Eli is there in the Beit HaMikdash, or the Mishkan Shiloh, and sees this uh, distraught woman. But he didn't realize she was distraught. He thought she was drunk. And he had some, some support for it because he saw on the Urim V'tumim, Sheen Chav Reshe. So he read it. She caught out. So uh, he comes to Hanan and says, Listen, sober up. Remove the wine from your, uh, from, your, uh, from your heart. And she comes along and says, Lo Adoni, you might be the Kohen Gadol, but you don't know how to use that apparatus. He says, you read it wrong. You know, you, 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 you're not a good boggle player. 
you read the word wrong, it's not shikura, uh, it's keshira, same letters, keshira, or kesara, however you want to say it. So therefore, that would even do is a classic example. That's not a psak halakha, I just want to know what is her status? Is she drunk? Is she sarat? It's, 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 when, when they would go to war, for example, who should go to war? Are we going to win the war? Okay, that's a revelation, that's a halakha question. But I saw, I heard from my Bernstein, he said a beautiful pshat on this here. Beautiful pshat. And he heard from, uh, he said, obviously. He said, why did Eli, he saw the, uh, the words, why did, why did he read it, Chikora? Eli's a Kohen, he, he, he couldn't understand that there's two, three options to this uh, Configuration. I mean, he knows that just like it could be Shikura, it could be Kishira, and it could be Kisara. But he was drawn to say Shikura, and he went out, but you must be drunk. Elia Kohen had children. And we know that uh, Elie's children. Right, but we're not children that we would say brought nahat to their father. As a matter of fact, the Gemara says, uh, the Gemara has to figure out a way, the text indicts them with, you know, federal crimes. Federal crimes. And there's an opinion that says, all right, listen, maybe they didn't do what it says, but, but still, you know, again, these were not the... And you have to imagine how much Agamat Nefesh this caused Eli, who's the tzaddik? <clears throat> and then he sees this lady praying for children. And he comes and tells her, you must be drunk. What do you want children for? And he says, you know what type of trouble? And he says, you'll be spared from all the agamat nefesh that I got for my children. Only, only a drunk woman would be praying for children. That's exactly, from his own experience, of course, it's a piadrash. According to his experience, <laughs> he's what does it mean? Who prayed? Why would you want to have children? If the pain was so severe that you got to be out of your mind to want to have uh, children over here. Look, look, look what they did over here. They, they were there. And Eli was obviously now he wasn't a delinquent father. He raised his children up here, and still uh, they, they, they did what they did. So there was his admatitish takarin. That's a, a strong musa. But for our purposes, the urim betumim were not in contempt of the rule of Loba Shamayim. The rule still stands. It wasn't a halachic uh, decision that it made. It was just a revelation of the mitziot. Okay, we'll stop here.